chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want to uh, look at the subject tonight of comforting one another. We've been preaching on the one another's of Scripture, and uh, we're going to preach on another one of those. There are several that we will not uh, do, but uh, we're going to do this one and maybe one, one or two more on comforting one another uh, with these words. I'm very thankful for the comfort that only God can give. And uh, there are times that people sometimes don't say, I don't know what to say, Pastor. I, that somebody's lost a loved one, and I don't know whether to go over to the house or not. I tell them that uh, you'll do like Job's friends. And the first seven days they went, they were the biggest help to him. I, I don't know. It's, it's called friends for Job. Some of them weren't really uh, too much friends. But in the first seven days, they went there and they sat down and they said nothing. But they were just there with him. And sometimes we just need somebody to be there with us. Sometimes just a hug, just, uh, just saying, look, uh, we care about you. And Jesus cares, as we sang about it tonight. Uh, to offer comfort uh, to us is something that the word of God gives the greatest comfort. And then for people who are, uh, know Christ as Savior to offer comfort as well. Here's what the Bible has to say. Beginning in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13, he said, But I might not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, or those who have died, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we shall say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord." And then these words, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. What a comfort it is to know that Jesus Christ is coming back. And he is coming, by the way. Could be soon. Could be very soon. The word rapture is not in the scriptures. But there in verse 17, it says, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. That idea of being snatched out is the word, we get the word, uh, it's a Latin word, rapture from. And what a comfort it is that one day either we're going to go, uh, some, I tell people I'm not looking for the undertaker. Now I work for uh, funeral homes. I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker. And one day he's coming back. And I am looking forward to that. Matter of fact, Linda and I, we, we both lost spouses. Linda married 39 years to Mike. I was married 36 and a half years to Barbara. God brought us together. We've been married a little over 10 years. And, and uh, we, we talk about, I, you know, I, I don't, if we could wish for something, we hope that we'll be caught up together. Go up together in the, in the, uh, with Jesus in the rapture of the church. The word comfort in verse 18 sometimes in some places is translated encourage. It is a command. It's in the present active uh, tense. It is a command that we are to commanded to comfort 
one another. And we use the scriptures to comfort others in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. I love this passage of scripture. I use it a lot because I've served, as, as you know, many years, 10 years at least, as a hospice chaplain. And uh, working as a hospice chaplain, I have sat at bedsides of people who were, were dying. And uh, then my own wife, my parents, I've been at their bedside when they passed away in uh, 1997, 2004. And it says, though, in verse 13, I love this. It says that we sorrow not even as others which have no hope. That doesn't mean that we don't cry. It doesn't mean that we don't sorrow. It's just a different kind of sorrow. We sorrow differently because we have a hope of, of seeing them again one day. Hallelujah. I'm, uh, my dad got saved at 51 years of age. I trusted Christ in my dorm room at Clemson in January of 1971. My dad had a tumor on his inner ear, uh, left him without any balance at all, and, and uh, was a non-malignant tumor. Had that removed in August of 1971, and I, I went to the hospital and I'd mailed him some tracts and we'd done some Bible studies together at home when I'd come home a few times. We'd done some Bible studies and my mom said she knew the Lord as her Savior. My two sisters, did, the younger sisters, did not uh, know the Lord and, and my dad, he, he wasn't sure. And uh, raised in that first Christian church, Disciples of Christ, he was a Church of Christ background. He said, I, I don't know for sure. I, I think so, but I'm not sure. So that night, we've, I'd flown from Atlanta, first airplane flight we ever had. This is back in the days when you actually got off the airplane, went on the tarmac. You didn't go through a little tunnel to go uh, into the air airport. And uh, got off the plane. My mom met me at the airport. We went right to Roper Hospital in Charleston, South Carolina. And I said, Dad, uh, I, I want to be here with you tomorrow for that uh, surgery, that brain surgery. Uh, you're going to have removing that tumor. And... Uh, I said, I've got to ask you. I said, if something happens to you on that table, where will you go? And he opened a little drawer right next to the hospital bed, a little, little stand there, and he opened it up and he took out a legal pad and every gospel track I had sent to him, he had it, had it paper clipped on it. it Might've been a government paper clip. Anyway, he, he, uh, he uh, had a paper clip of, of that track to it and he had written down Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23 and I tell you, that's been, that's been 52 years ago now. And I get teary-eyed thinking about it. And he said, son, he said, last night before I came to the hospital, he said, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And 51 years of age, he trusted the Lord as Savior. I know I will see him again. I will see him again. We have that hope. We sorrow not as others which have no hope. So many people tell the preacher, preacher, I, I believe we're just going to die and lie on the ground like an old dog. I said, no. I said, there's a life after death. Each one of us are going to spend eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. We sorrow not as others which have no hope. In the funeral work that I do, I've worked several years as a funeral uh, assistant, and I do that now in Rock Hill. Matter of fact, the funeral director at Peacock Funeral Home in Whiteville, North Carolina, called me yesterday during a funeral uh, service that they were having just to check in to see how I was doing and uh, talked about how we had worked together uh, many times. But I've been with families. I have preached. Uh, I've worked on the funeral home side, and sometimes they would say this 
family doesn't have a pastor, would you do the service for us? And I would meet with the family, working with families in times of sorrow and of grief, some who knew Christ, some who did not know the Lord as their Savior, and I could tell a big difference. Those that knew Jesus and those that didn't. Here it says that it refers to those that are asleep. This is not referring to soul sleep. There's no such thing as soul sleep. Uh, when my wife passed away, my two oldest children in the house, my youngest was 16. He didn't come in the room at all. We didn't, I didn't try to make him do anything he didn't want to do. But the last couple of days uh, with her cancer, uh, he didn't want to come in and I was fine with me. He would just come so ever so often. I'd go out and give him a hug and let him know about how mama was doing. The other two uh, children, uh, son and daughter, they, they had helped me uh, immensely in those last several days. It helped me other times as well. But uh, whenever she passed away, the oldest two wanted to be awakened to know at one o'clock in the morning when she, when she passed away. And I took them, to second, took them to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Matter of fact, we read most of that chapter. Many of you are, are familiar with that. But they had never been uh, with someone that had passed away. They had never been, uh, even when their grandparents had passed away, they had not been at that bedside. And uh, I said, I, I know this is different for you. One of them was uh, 20 years old, the other one 24 years of age. And I said, but I, I, if, you would, if you want to come in here, I want you to come. Because I want you to see something that the scriptures talk about. And we went to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and we read most of the chapter. But when we came to verse 8, it says we're confident, I say, that willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And I said, Mama is not there. She's not there. She's gone. Her soul is now with Jesus. She's gone, absent from the body, present with the Lord. I don't know about you, but that comforts me. Uh, that's, uh, we we uh, you know, lift caskets at funeral homes and we uh, close lids. And even P Pastor Ken Walters, uh, his secret former secretary of 23 years, uh, worked with me on that uh, visitation service. Pastor Walters had spoken at uh, chapel here. An ambassador just a short time ago, 80 years old and four months, passed away. Uh, FBN, Fundamental uh, Broadcasting Network, over in Newburn, North Carolina. He was over there doing a share and he had served his time working on the uh, radio and trying to, you know, get folks to give during the share And he went and laid down in a, in a room that they had for sleeping. He laid down in there and put the CPAP machine on. And he didn't wake up for breakfast and he didn't come for lunch. And so somebody knocked on the door and uh, found out that he'd had a heart attack during the night and was with Jesus. But I thought about the lady who was his secretary for 23 years as she closed that lid on that casket. She said, I have worked for this man 23 years as his secretary. And she said, now I get to have the last word. She said, I... I'm putting this lid down on here, but he's gone to be with Jesus already. Amen. What a comfort to know. What a comfort to know. And we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back in the rapture of the church before the tribulation period. Before the tribulation period, uh, we were pre-trib. And uh, it says in verse 17, 
of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, again, some encouraging, very encouraging words to you and me. It says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. And then it says this, To meet the Lord in the air. We're going to be with Jesus. See him face to face. To meet the Lord in the air. And then it says at the end of that verse, So shall we ever be with the Lord. So shall we ever be with the Lord. I mean, that's going to that's gonna make a Presbyterian shout right there, buddy. I mean, I like that. So shall we ever be with the Lord. You're talking about comforting one another. That is a comfort right there. God gives us comfort. He gives us hope. He gives us the blessing of eternal life with Jesus. My wife that uh, passed away, she wrote a track called, Have You Ever Been Overwhelmed? Overwhelmed by cancer news and overwhelmed with John 3.16. When I had met her at Winthrop, uh, an all-girls school, a lot of Clemson guys were making frequent trips over to Rock Hill, South Carolina, when it was an all-girls school at Winthrop. And I met her on a blind date, a 9-11, September 11, 1971. She said, I know Jesus as my Savior. United Methodist background involved in uh, a Bible study on campus already, a pretty conservative Bible study on campus. And she told me on that first date, yes, I know Jesus as Savior. And then, you know, we talked about it often, had devotions together uh, almost every date and dated for three years. She was a freshman. She finished in three years. In 1974, we were married when she finished college and uh, said, I know Jesus as my Savior. I, we moved uh, to Orangeburg, South Carolina and uh, worked for the highway department. She taught second grade at a, a public school, a Middlesham Elementary School. And uh, then we moved to St. Matthews, only 12 miles away. I became the resident maintenance engineer with the highway department for that small county, Calhoun and upper part of Orangeburg County. And uh, we attended, started attending, uh, uh, we had already joined an independent Baptist church, Orangeburg Baptist Tabernacle in Orangeburg, and we joined a little church in St. Matthew's that was meeting in a house, about 25 people. Uh, and uh, the preacher uh, was preaching one Wednesday night on 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. She took notes in every service. She took a note that night uh, on, the, on the message. And uh, so the next day, the next day I came home for lunch and uh, drove my state car. Back in those days they let you drive a state car home. And I drove the state car back to the house for lunch. And I came in and she said, had a big smile on her face. She said, I just want you to know something. Somebody got saved today. I said, wonderful. Who was it? She said, I did. She said, I got saved. And, and she trusted Jesus Christ. She was a deacon's wife already and uh, had been telling you that she knew the Lord as Savior. But I tell you what, if folks who think that they know Christ don't know that they know Christ, they need to nail it down. And she nailed it down. 
And I tell you what, she was telling everybody about how she'd trusted Jesus as Savior, telling just she'd already had witnessed the kids in second grade already about Jesus, but now she was even doing it more. She was convinced. And now when she passed away after 36 and a half years of marriage, I'll see her again. We sorrow not as others which have no hope. Sorrow not as others which have no hope. The word comfort is the word, comes from the word paraclete, which uh, we sing a song sometimes, the comforter is come because the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God is called the comforter. The same word when it says here to comfort one another with these words. It's the same word used over in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4. I use this often in, uh, in counseling concerning grief. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4, verse 3 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Verse 4, who comforteth us. Same word as found at the, in verse 18 of 1 Thessalonians 4. Who comforteth us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. The same comfort that God offers to you and me, we can tell other people about that comfort as we point them to the God of all comfort. And he says, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. When I think about heaven, I like to sing about heaven. We're going to sing some songs in a minute about heaven again. But you know the most important thing about heaven is not the place, but the person. We're going to be with Jesus. We're going to be with the Lord. What a day that will be. I, the church that I just came from, we changed hymn books one time. Uh, and uh, I was there nine and a half years. We changed hymn books. And the, the new hymn book did not have what a day that will be. They said, preacher, paste it in the back. We had to paste it in the back. And I mean, we sang the legs off of that song. What a day that will be. My Jesus, I shall see. One day I'll see him face to face. My lost loved ones, I'll see again. Church members who have had infant babies. I was uh, at the funeral home the other day and a guy got on the phone and he was talking to his sister. And he said, uh, we've had a death in our family. I don't believe the person was saved. It was a different visitation going on than Pastor Walter's visitation at the same funeral home. He said, my sister went nine months in pregnancy and in the, in the uh, birthing room, she lost the baby. I have had people that I've known that have lost babies at the nine-month mark. I'm thankful that those babies are safe in the arms of Jesus. Some of you ladies have lost babies. We had miscarriages uh, when my first wife had a miscarriage. And I, I just am very thankful that those babies are safe in the arms of Jesus. God takes care of them. Uh, I like what David said there in 2 Samuel. He said, about that baby that he and Bathsheba had had, he said, he cannot return to me, but I can go to him. 
We can't bring him back, but we can go to where he is. I've used that so many times in funeral services. He cannot return to me, but I can go to him. By the way, those little babies are no one turns into an angel. We won't preach on angels tonight, but I've had so many people say, oh, pastor, so-and-so passed away, and the heaven's got another angel now. And I was saying to myself, no, he doesn't. All the angels were created at one time. There's no baby angels. There's no reproduction of angels. No baby that dies or no human being that dies is going to turn into an angel. We won't preach on angels tonight. That was free what I just gave you right there. What about death itself? If I've been at the bedside of many a person in the hospice room or uh, at their home or in a nursing home or wherever we were for, as a hospice chaplain. Many believers who did not fear death, they feared that hump just from passing from this life to the next. There was really no fear of death itself, but they feared that hump from this life to the next. And we often use that song, Finally Home, Just think of stepping on shore and finding it heaven, of touching a hand and finding it God's, of breathing new air and finding it celestial, of waking up in glory and finding it home. (laughs) Some call it heaven. Some call it paradise. I call it home. One day we're going home. That's a comfort to this old preacher right here. I can tell you that right now. John 14 in your Bible. Another passage I often use at the bedside with people. It says, let not your heart be troubled. Jesus is speaking. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Not a cabin in the corner of glory land. He said there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Did you notice in that passage of scripture that Jesus is preparing the place? He's been working on it for a long time. Just think of some of these builders we got in our church, how long it would take. I mean, what they've been working on for all these years. I love it. I love it. He's preparing a place. And notice he doesn't send someone else to get us. It says here in this verse, it says, I will come again, he's speaking, and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also. Who, who comes to get us? Jesus does. Not send an angel. He's coming. He said, I'm coming. I will receive you. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas saith unto him, the doubting one, Lord, you know not, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? And then this exclusive statement. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. 
Jesus has made a promise. I'm coming back. I'm preparing a place for you. He's got a plan through the Lord Jesus Christ and putting our faith and trust in him. And he's the only way of salvation. The only way of salvation. Jesus comes to receive us. We'll be with Jesus. We'll be with other believers from all over the world together. I love that word in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Together with them, it says. I like the word together. That's what makes the Lord's table tonight so special. We're doing that together in his name. We're going to be with Jesus. To meet him in the air, it says, we'll meet together with them. There's a reunion with Jesus, most of all. The most important thing about the hope that we have in him. A great Christians look for and they long after his appearing. They're looking eagerly for it, expectantly, keeping their eyes upon the eastern skies as we work in funeral work over there in the country in Whiteville, North Carolina, when they would dig the grave. Uh, they would dig the grave and we would say, all right, we're coming out of the casket with the, uh, out of the hearse with the casket and we'd say, all right, is it head first or feet first that we're loading this, this uh, grave? And, and they'd say, remember, we want them to be laying in such a way where they would be able to see the east. <laughs> Look into the east. He's coming back. He's coming back. Keep your eyes upon the eastern sky. Your redemption draweth nigh. First John chapter 2. What does this appearing of Jesus really do for you and me? What should be the effects of of knowing that Christ is returning and could come at any moment. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 says, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And notice this verse, verse 3. And every man that hath this hope in himself purifieth himself, even as he is pure. It all to cause us to want to live holy lives because Jesus is coming back. Robert Murray McShane, who was in Scotland, he, uh, by the way, if you ever read something, he's got a great Bible reading schedule that I've used uh, several times in my life. He uh, lived from uh, 1813 to 1843, uh, died at 29 years of age. He, uh, he used to ask people, he said, do you think Jesus will return today? And most of them would say, no, not today. Then McShane would say, then my friend, you better be ready. For he is coming at such an hour as you think not. Be ready. For every one of us, death is evident. Oh, we, we have an appointment. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. We have an appointment. I don't know what the day is going to be. I would tell people, you know, people all ask us at the hospice beds, 
you know, preacher, how much longer do I have? I said, I don't know. The nurse doesn't know. Uh, the, the chaplain doesn't know. The days are numbered for each one of us. And God knows exactly how many days we have. It, he will not take us a day early and he won't take us a day late. He's always on time. But we all will face death one day or either we'll be caught up uh, in the rapture of the church. Each one of us ought to be ready tonight. There was a fellow who once loved to look at gravestones. I like to look at them too and see what's written on them. Uh, an old British cemetery not far from Windsor Castle in a graveyard there on the tombstone it says, Pause my friend as you walk by. As you now are, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. Prepare my friend to follow me. And a visitor came by and, and read that and he added these lines to that, to that tombstone. To follow you is not my intent until I know which way you went. <laughs> which way are you going? For if we have the hope of heaven, we can comfort one another with these so thankful tonight for the comfort that God can only give. I'm glad that God tonight works in our own heart and our own life. Uh, someone gave me today a, a little news update, terror groups in the church. I, I thought it was very appropriate tonight because of coming before the Lord's table, our hearts prepared, uh, seeking the Lord and having hope in him. It says latest news reports are that five terrorist cell groups have been operating in most of our churches here in the United States. The situation is dire. These terrorist groups have been identified as been sleeping. We had some of those this morning in church. Been sleeping, been arguing, been fighting, been complaining, been missing. I put a few more, been fussing, been nodding. Some of them, groups like that that are meeting together. Their leader is Osama bin Lucifer. Train these groups to destroy the body of Jesus Christ. The plan is to come into the church disguised as Christians and to work within the church to discourage, to disrupt, to divide, and destroy. That's what Satan's about, by the way. He's about that. However, there's been some reports of a sixth group in the churches, a tiny cell group by the name of Ben Praying. It's actually the only effective counter-terrorist force in the church. Unlike other terrorist cells, the Ben Praying team does not blend in with whoever and whatever comes along. The Ben Praying group does whatever is needed to uplift and encourage the body of Jesus. You've noticed that Ben Praying cell group is different, has different characteristics than the others. They've been watching, been waiting, been longing, been fasting for their master, the Lord Jesus Christ. To return. Will this important news update? Let me ask you this question. Which cell group do you belong to? As we thought about preparing our hearts for the Lord's table tonight, and I hope that you have made preparation for that, thought about the chance to be able tonight to comfort one another. He is he's acquainted with our grief. 
all of us will have opportunities in the coming days to comfort one another in times of loss. A lost spouse, lost loved ones, a lost child, a lost dear friend. Comfort one another with these words. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, as we preach, hell hot and heaven sweet, thank you for the hope that we have tonight that Jesus is coming back. He's either going to come back in the rapture and we be caught up with him or if we know Jesus and we pass from this life, he's coming back to take us to a place called heaven. Lord, help us tonight to comfort one another with these words. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name.